You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Since our initial launch, Kara and I have made it a point to actively seek out stories from various walks of life in our industry throughout our episodes to make sure to have representation of all types. That said, just as we made a conscious decision to celebrate Pride Month and International Women's Month last year, we are focusing our full-length episodes solely on the stories of Black women, honoring and amplifying their voices in celebration of Black History Month. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Mom is Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush. And I'm Kara Cooper. Today's guest has been managing Broadway productions for close to 30 years. When the shutdown occurred, she was the production stage manager of the Tony Award-winning Hades Town. She's also an adjunct professor at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts and the Conservatory at Shenandoah University. She's one of the founders of Broadway and Beyond, Access for Stage Managers of Color, on the board of trustees of Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, and she is a mother of, wait for it, seven. Here's our conversation with Beverly Jenkins. Hello. Good morning, Beverly. Welcome. Good morning. It has been ages. I'm so happy to see your face. I am so happy to see yours. And hello, Cara. Cara, 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 Cara. (laughs) I mean, it's open for interpretation. My full name is actually Caroline. Oddly enough, so it's Cara for short. Cara, that's what I thought. I see. Yep. I, I, I did a little Google search on you. <laughs> Look at that name. How about that? <laughs> she is talk about like that is a stage manager for you, honey, doing their research, knowing what they're coming into. And for all of our listeners being here on time, she was early to our recording. <laughs> yes. She was five minutes early in the room, ready to go because that's right. that is stage manager. That's what I was taught by Mr. Jerry Zachs. Five minutes early, you're on time. Mm-hmm. On time, you're late. You, Jerry, you hear late. that that new generation? <laughs> Do you hear that new generation? <laughs> Sorry, that's a little, I know that's being a little sassy. But um, uh, Beverly, you are our first stage manager that really? we've had on the podcast. There are a lot of stage managers, but I'm... I'm going to go out on a limb and say I probably, out of everybody, have raised the most children. Well, I mean, I think in our industry, you might take that record. (laughs) Forget stage manager, just in general. (laughs) Which leads us to our next question. We always ask all of our guests to tell us about their kids. Now, this may take a while, everybody, because Beverly has a lot of children. (laughs) Tell us about them. All right, where you want to start? Okay, let's just start with my whole how I became a mama story. Love it. So back a long time ago, before anybody was born, I had a long time boyfriend and we had a little boy together. And then I was like, deuces, (laughs) bye-bye. Because sometimes you can be great lovers, but doesn't necessarily mean y'all need to be together forever. So that's what happened between me and my oldest son's father. We were not meant to be together forever, but we were together for quite some time. 
So he's, he's, you know, does he still the dad, but he's not my man. And I go and I work on a show on the Broadway called the Lion King. And I had never, ever, ever in my whole entire life even dated anyone in the theater. And I, there's this man who he's sniffing around. I'm sniffing around and we go out on a few dates and everything. It's all cute. And he has, he's a divorced man with custody of four children, teens and preteens. So I have one, he has four. We then have one together. Then we, then we get married and have another one together. So that would be seven. That is, I will never forget backstage at Donna Summer when you said that you had seven children. And I, I think my brain exploded. I mean, Jess, you immediately told me and I was like, how? How does she do it? Which we're going to get to for sure. So tell us, where are we now in this journey? How old is everybody? So now in this world, where are we at? Let's see, we'll start at the top. We'll start at the top. Um, uh, The oldest is 36, 35, 33, 32, 23, 20, 17. All right. So that's age. You're almost done, Mama. You (laughs) have no idea. (laughs) So my 17-year-old, my boy... He is, he'll be 18 at the end of this month, which is, it's giving me life because I know (laughs) June is coming and that's called graduation or better yet, (laughs) I know end of March is coming when we'll have to make that decision. Where'd you get accepted to? Where you going? Did you pack yet? (laughs) I am ready. Difference between my husband and I, when I gave birth, I knew they were going somewhere after they turned 18 or graduated high school, whichever came first. He was not counting on that. I was like, oh no, that's that's what happens. So anybody who's like, oh, my baby, I'm like, no, you want your baby to fly. We've been yeah. doing this for years. Why? So they could get to this point so they can go out into the world and not embarrass me. So, <laughs> so yeah, so we are in the midst of um, essays and applying and auditions because he's a musician. So he's in the midst of that. So that's youngest. Then there's my girl. She's a junior at my alma mater, Howard University. Hey, she, hey. She's, she is a dance major. Um, and she is home this year because DC, Howard, no in-person anything. Uh, So it's been tough-ish on her, but luckily um, being a dance major, you can't, you know, you need, be in theater period, any of the arts, you want that in-person, you know, experience. But we do have space here for her to have her own corner. That's her dance studio. And I've, that's in air quotes, everybody who's listening. <laughs> Our dance studio. But she has enough space. But uh, so she's home. And then there's um, my firstborn, my out of my body oldest. And he's 23 and he's doing his thing and he's working and he's, I'm just giving him his space, but he's great. So he's good. Uh, and then there's the 
four that came with the husband. And so they're, they're all, all older than your firstborn. Yes. So when y'all yeah. got together, your son was the youngest of the He crew. was the baby. Yes. He was the baby. So there wasn't any of that. Like now, you you know, he had four and then I was going to stick one in the middle of that. So <laughs> there wasn't, because I think that's tougher, you know, or you have four. Now I'm bringing someone in who's older than who's now I'm the oldest. It's, that's tough. But I brought the baby in. And so they were like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> is there, and there's what I was trying to think back to like, there's a decent amount of time between them, right? Cause yeah. you said 23 and then 30, right? Yes. 31 yes. Uh, there is, Oh, don't start me lying. There is eight, <laughs> years. eight, 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 eight. That sounds right. There's eight years between, um, his youngest, I say that in quotes because they're all ours, but his youngest and my oldest right. is eight years between them. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. That is, I can't believe. So when you guys got together, you said they were preteens and teens. So right. you were still having to manage that was be five children all of a sudden. Yes. Yes. Oh. There was proms and uh, um, graduations and financial aid papers to fill out and, and boyfriends to stand at the door and navigate, you know, (laughs) you must really love your husband to be like, I'm going to take this on. (laughs) Pick me. I'm I'm raising my hand for you in podcast. Uh Pick me, Uh pick me. Um, You didn't ask me one important question about why this didn't rock my world because I'm number nine of 12. So I'm used to, it, it was seven. It was just natural, right? Yeah. I wasn't even born yet when my parents had seven. <laughs> you know, so. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> that is insane. Are there any twins in your family? Are there any multiple? No, honey. God bless my mother. God all bless. Singles, all singles. Oh, my God. That's a lot of childbirth. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of childbirth. I yep. can't even like thinking of I, how long she was pregnant or nursing. You know what I mean? Like just like in that phase for eons, I feel I, like I, eternity. I can't I can't even wrap my mind A around having that many children to begin with, but B around about having that many children in the industry that we're in and also your husband is in. Yes. So add that on to that. Mm-hmm. So how how did you navigate this? I mean, being a stage manager it's unarguably one of the most time-consuming jobs on Broadway because you're in charge of everybody, right? You're there before everybody gets there. Right. You leave after everybody leaves. Sometimes, um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean- yes. And, yes, but in general, yes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. essentially, you're almost like a parent to the company yes. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So how <laughs> did you do it? What were your, I mean, I was wondering when you were saying that the your son's children who became your children were older, were they able to help out with some of the childcare things? How did you navigate it? Do you have any tips for those of us who only have well, one or two? <laughs> you know, as Hillary said, it takes a village and it really does. I don't care if you have one children, ch- child or you have 17, it takes a village. Um, when I was a single mom and my sister and I were living together and she would come home from work I would say, tag, you're it. And I would go to work. And when on the days where I had rehearsal before she got home, I had fantastic neighbors. I lived in a house that I had, we we had purchased the house from our parents. And so we lived next door to the neighbors that we grew up with. And so they were just like, 
another set of grandparents. And so I would just go knock on the door and give them a little bucket, you know, the bucket that was all new back in the 90s. So it was new to me. Give them the bucket and they would watch him until my sister came home. It was great. It was great. And then when I, uh, when my husband and I got together, his children were, he has a boy and three girls and they were just great older siblings. So they were very happy to help out when they could, because they also had to go see their mom and blah, 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 blah. And uh, then I got into the world of getting, a, and I, in air quotes, a nanny. It was a grandma figure because I did, the kids were getting in the high school and I didn't want them, you know, saddled with having to come straight home and watch their younger brother and sister. It's not fair to them. I don't think it's fair to them. If I can do something about it, not everyone financially can do something about it. But I just made it a point that a chunk of my paycheck was going to make sure that my children, that the three out of my body had someone who would be with them when I wasn't here. And so we had a great, um, uh, Miss Jenny, she was the best grandma, other grandma that they could have had. So I had that type of help. And then when the kids got a little bit older and they started to drive, oh, <laughs> It was liberating. And so then they could take care of themselves. When my oldest got old enough, then I didn't need a nanny. And she, you know, then passed away and we were sad. We still are. But um, it was, it's, yeah, it takes, it takes a village. And I had great, great, great friends up here in this little mountain town that I live in. Um, My friend, Tracy. Hey, Tracy. My friend, Tracy. (laughs) Tracy would come and pick up. She, I mean, she's got her own two set of kids, but she knew I was at work and she knew, you know, my daughter had to get the dance or my sons had to get to music or, or baseball. She would come over to my house with her kids, pick up my kids, drive them around because I live in a little town where you can't even get to the grocery store without getting in a car. So it, it takes a village and I had some great people to help me. That's amazing. I mean, it really does. I know, you know, just our crew up in Inwood, like by our neighborhood mm-hmm. crew, you know, we've got, I have parent friends who I could literally text and say, I'm not going to make it for pickup. Can you grab Elliot? And then they'll take her and they'll keep her for hours if I need, you know what I mean? Like right. they're just mm-hmm. when you can find those people, community is really everything. And I never understood that until being a parent and needing to facilitate and, and manage how to, you know, do life, particularly the schedule you know, of having yeah. to leave in the evenings when that's when, you know, afternoons and evenings when things happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the hard part about being in our business, as I'm sure you two ladies know, um, having school age kids, it's like, you can't be Susie homemaker mom. You just can't be because we're not available because it's either you're going to be Susie homemaker mom, or you're going to go to work. Yeah. I got to go to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, I have to go to work. You know, I got seven kids and a house and a couple of dogs to pay for. Right. You know? right. <laughs> so yeah. you can't do that. So it's important that whatever time you do spend with your children, that you make sure I am focused on you. I hear you. I'm listening to you. And you make sure I know it's tiring, but you make sure that when you send them out to school in the morning, 
that they have what they need. So they're not going to school looking through their bag. You know, I would come home and like, especially God awful tech, you know, oh. I get home about one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. And before I take my coat off, I was going through book bags. I was signing paper. I was putting, you know, signing consent slips and putting money in envelopes, making sure that they had what they needed so they could never say, oh, my mom forgot. Or everyone in the class brought their stuff in except for your child, you know? So oh, that's it, the it, worst feeling. That is the it worst feeling. It's the worst feeling. My son missed pajama day at the beginning <laughs> of this year. And truly, I just got redemption like a month ago when they had another pajama day. But I did not hear the end of it. My four-year-old said, he's like, Mom, when are we going to have pajama day again? I didn't wear my pajamas. And I felt horrible. <laughs> like, truly. It's true. It's true. It's hard. It's it hard. Is. But so you're talking about this kind of thing that I think stage managers kind of intrinsically have, but you have put into this, I should say, good stage managers. Yes. You know, let's, making- let's have a little asterisk. <laughs> yeah. Because um, but, some shit. But, <laughs> but being, you're talking about giving your kids everything they need to do the best they can do. And you as a stage manager and in the research that I've done, strive to give your actors well you know i gotta do my research beverly there were things she found out that i didn't know now granted beverly was my stage manager but only for like it's only a few months it seems like i mean we we totally bonded i mean i'm not gonna lie we totally bonded totally it was only i I got there july top of july so it was six months that's it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that was also a very intense we were in a world, you know, we were in a world where we needed to bond. So, yes. but, <laughs> and that's all we'll say about that. But there were things that Kara found that I was like, I had no idea she did that. I mean, well, I mean, this one that I'm going to bring up, especially because of when it took place. So, y- you obviously focus on giving your performers the ability to be the best they can be on stage and supporting parents in this way is not always easy to come by in our industry. So you were working on Bringing the Noise, Bring the Funk, which was one of my favorite shows. Um, And you at times had to turn your office into a daycare because your performers couldn't find childcare. Oh, yeah. And you did what you had to do um, to give your people the best the best chance at being the best they could be and to be able to show up to work, right? Um, So both Jessica and I have had experiences where we've had parents, and I would say specifically mothers who have been stage managers who just understand that uh, we're not calling out because we're sick or we've got a cough or, you know, and we have the ability to be open with you and say, I'm calling out because my babysitter just canceled last minute instead of lying and saying, I'm calling out because I'm sick, right? And being able to have that open, honest experience. So I just feel like you were a trailblazer because that was a long time ago. I mean, Noise Funk, I think was when, before I was in, even in college, I don't even remember the year. I started um, there in 97. So I started yeah. there like two months after I had my son. Yeah. So you, you, you got it. You knew what that, what that meant. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what my question is here, but I feel like, do you, do you see that this is a trend that is starting to 
happen a little bit more the support for parents in our industry or is, or is it, it still- or is it the opposite is there is there kind of like chit chat on the down low like oh they have a kid blah 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 you know is it still looked down upon or do you think that the conversation has opened to something bigger i think it is absolutely that it is open to something bigger because um before, and I still get from, I still hear from young stage managers, you know, who know I'm a mom who's never stopped working. You know, before you, it was something that we as women kept on the DL for as long as possible, you know, and it was, and it was not because, you know, I kept my first pregnancy to myself. A few people knew just because I didn't want to be picked on. Oh my God, let me touch your belly. Get away from me. You know, that's, that's what it was. If, but it never dawned on me that I couldn't function because I was pregnant. I am not the first or am I the last woman who works who is pregnant. I'm not the first pregnant person anybody I know has ever seen. So why should I be treated differently? Now, if I have a condition and I'm like, look, I can't fit into that corner over there. Can we, you know, we'll do that. For everyone listening who's not maybe in our world, but she says fit into that corner, you know, I, I just want to, I just want to clarify what she means is backstage. It's very tight spaces, very tight yeah. quarters. Right. And as a stage manager, you're what's called on deck, which is when you're on like on the stage level in the wing space backstage with us, making sure we're in your headset, making sure things are safe. Cues are going at the right time. And sometimes that means you have to squeeze into very small spaces, small, tight Tight. Yeah. So I just wanted to clarify, because I know we have some listeners who aren't Broadway peeps or theater peeps in general who might be like, what is she talking about squeezing to us that corner? You know, but it's a real thing. It's it's very literal. (laughs) 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 So, you know, what am I saying? But anyway, so, um, so no, when I, when I was coming up, I'd never dawned on me that this was a negative. And as time progressed, as this generation of stage managers, my generation, your generation of, of performers, as we as we progress through this world, we have people have become more vocal. We have, have people say, you can, we don't accept it anymore. I don't accept that because someone is pregnant that they can't do. That's crazy, you know? But that's how it was looked at before it was looked at, but, um, just in this whole country in the world that all, you know, so, so we have progressed and the more that we make it normal, the more normal it is in our business. So, um, there are situations where I was working on a show where I had an actress who was pregnant and you can't, and luckily you can't tell someone you can't come to work. You know what I mean? Right. They have to make their that decision for themselves. But in this particular part, it was like she's pregnant. You know, it was com- it could right. be confusing to the audience. But we just did like this until she was ready. Like I, we did, we couldn't let any costume out anymore. It just right. wasn't going to happen. Right, and it was becoming dangerous because you were doing those spins and your equilibrium was off. But she had to make that decision for herself and we just had the support and that's what we do. So, yeah. Well, and I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, as someone who, you know, working moms in general encounter all this kind of these issues 
no matter whether they're in an office job, you know, and all of a sudden people stop giving them assignments or stop right. moving them up the ladder because they think they don't have the focus or they can't focus or don't have the time. I mean, this goes across all sorts of industries, right? I just wanted to say a shout out because you and Kristen Harris, who is our stage manager at Tina, when the shutdown happened, you're both moms. And having a stage manager, I told Kara, you know, I would tell her it makes all the difference having a stage manager who's a, a woman in general, but who is a mom and who gets all of the issues that come with that and being able to be honest and not have to lie and make up an excuse or be like, <clears throat> I'm sick. I can't come in and be able to actually say, Oh my God, my child has a fever and I have to stay home. And that, but, but you know that if your child is sick, you can say, it is a sick day. You can use a sick day for that. I know, but you know. People don't want to say that, and, but it's true. Right, right. People don't want to but it's true. You can, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I think and, just for me, it was like having the freedom, like not feeling like there was judgment more so. You know, right. it's like being mm -hmm. able to say my child is sick and I'm going to be out as and not get a side eye. Like, oh, well, you the one who decided to have a kid. You know what I mean? Like, because there is that sometimes. Well, okay. In all honesty, sometimes I do give side eye. <laughs> I mean, I'm you're Billy Jenkins lie. with the jingle jangles. You know what I'm I mean? Like, jingle jangles. You're I will give a side eye for a lot of stuff because I'm shady like that sometimes. But let me see. I will put my parent shame all out there. Sometimes I do parent shame like, you can't balance that. You know? Because <laughs> I think about Really? Really? Okay. So what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to call me first and tell me X, Y, and Z, and then we can work it out. You know, just that type of thing. Well, it's about, it's mm -hmm. having, about having that freedom of conversation too, right? It's for so long, we weren't supposed to talk about it. We were literally right. just supposed to balance it all and make it all look pretty from the outside. Like right. we got this and there's no problem. So it's about being able to say like, I'm having a really hard time with this. This might be an issue later today, Beverly. I just want to let you know what I'm dealing with. And That's then so you can better. move, yeah, then you can move forward. And mm -hmm. instead of having to feel like you do have to carry it all on your shoulders. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. No, so Beverly, I wanted to talk to you about right now, particularly in this time in our industry and in our country, you know, there's this reckoning, there is an awakening, there's been so much talk and conversation with regard to uh, equality, with racism in our industry, misogyny, with making our spaces more equitable and making the community and industry at large more equitable. And we we read when Kara was doing her research, because she does all that good stuff, we were reading about when you were on Amazing Grace. Um, this would have been in 2015. Now, Amazing Grace was about... Oh, the John person, Newton. John Newton, yes. And coming Ooh. over to America. Um, and so there was definitely, in the storytelling, it was definitely like the white people and the black people, correct? Yeah? Yeah. Um, so you said this, Amazing Grace was important to me because of what was happening on stage. How hard is it that the first time you see black people on stage, they are stuffed in a crate and then they get pulled out, thrown on the ground and shot in the back? And you said, so when the actors come off stage, how can they not carry that off the stage? How do we make sure that these people are not carrying the feelings of trauma off stage with them? And I think that 
you're clearly thinking ahead of the curve of everyone else. But I think that's something that we don't take into account a lot of time with the work we're doing as actors. We think, oh, we can just shrug it off. It's not a big deal. We're just performing. We're making choices. We're being actors. And then we leave the stage and it's all okay. But to be a stage manager, I'm sure you saw things also like the emotions of people that led you to that conclusion. Would you speak to us just sort of about that experience for a moment and, um, and, and navigating that time? Sure. Basically, I was on the management side. I was one of two Black people on the management side. I was, I was specifically brought into that project because I was Black, female, qualified. Mm-hmm. Mix it up any way you want, but Black was definitely right. <laughs> the big box right there. And then you'll say, then I'll say qualified female, but you know, for the stage management team, but mm-hmm. it definitely, I was one of two Black people not on the stage. And the entire management. Yes, yeah. which is not right. uncommon. Which is not uncommon. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm very excited for when we go back to work. Well, we're going to see what happens. We're going to so talk about, about that. that. Yeah. Get to that. <laughs> I'm very excited. But on this particular show, um, A, I did appreciate that somebody somebody put some thought into it beyond we just need to, quote unquote, diversify. I believe someone put some thought into it. And when I was in rehearsal and I saw what was happening, A, I was excited that it wasn't being sugarcoated because some, you know, in theater or wherever, we all just try to sugarcoat it, make it look better than it is. No, these people were being pulled out. They were being manhandled. They were being thrown to the ground. They were in chains, a fight bust out, and they were being shot in the back and then dragged off like cattle. So when you come off stage, do you go back to, oh, girl, I saw a movie. You know, (laughs) it's like... It's not, it, it may be that fast sometimes because you're used to who you are with, but it's not automatic and it's not for everyone. You know, people throw themselves into these parts, into these roles. And so you just feel it, it takes a second to come down off of that. So we put thought into who was in each dressing room. We put thought into, you know, I'm, all for, as you know, I'm all for hand turkeys and door decorating and Valentine's and Secret Santa, Secret Santa, lights around the call board. You know, it's like, (laughs) uh, what do you mean you don't have lights on your call board? What kind of craziness is that? It's like a party at that call board. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm, I'm all into that because I believe it brings people together. And so you have to make it okay for people to come off stage have these feelings, know that they're respected, know that they are welcome in this space. It's, you know, that we appreciate the work, you know, the the souls that they're leaving out there on that stage. And so when you come off, people respect you for a moment and you can walk into a safe space. And so I, I always, no matter what show I'm doing, but especially something like that, you know, we had a little similarity in a Bronx tale, you know, a Bronx tale, we had, you know, the, um, the a black gentleman were being beat up by white gentlemen, you know, and they were being called all types of names that I don't allow people to call my children, you know, but it was that decade and you have to be as true as possible if you're going to tell the story correct, you know, uh, but you have to, but you have to offset it someplace so, so that people remember 
this is, we are telling a story. It does not have to be how uh, the story that we live. And so I just, I enjoy doing what I do, but I also make sure that part of my job is to make sure that people feel safe and know that they're appreciated in whatever way I can do it. That's amazing. I, That's I know. So I just love it. I, and it, and just to know that someone's got your back in that way, you know what I mean? Because on the other side of it, being the performer who is, and I'm certainly not speaking from the experience of portraying a slave in chains, but, but or, I or being or being the person that has to take the whip and exactly, roommate. yeah, exactly. No, I yeah, mean that, we had those. Room. Yeah, you are the guy. You know, you, you you're you're my dude. You know. Yeah. No, we I'm had those married, and you're going to be my best man. But I got to take out a whip and beat you. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it, it's true. It's like, it, and make sure that there's space for the conversations that need to be had. I mean, I, I know with Tina, you know, there's, it's very similar, the time period where there were slurs that were used on the regular and there were mm-hmm. discussions definitely between the actors who were doing that. And, and I remember specifically one of the white actors saying to the black actor, you know, I just, please, you know, this is not me, right? Like they had, he was like, and I remember the black actor saying, this is for you. You, right. I, I'm, I'm taking in what you're saying, but just so you know, right. I, you're, I'm hearing you, but you're saying it because you need to let me know that. Right. You know, exactly. But exactly. that was what the, as actors and people, more importantly, they mm-hmm. needed to be able to have that moment of communication to make sure we're on the same page. Right. You know, that, mm-hmm. you know, this is not me. So right. like, you know. Yeah, I know this is what you were acting. Right. Right. You know? right. The safe space. I mean, mm-hmm. Put yourself in that vulnerable position and know right. that someone else is thinking about your well-being is, I mean, what makes you tremendous at what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of segues into the next thing we want to talk about, which is your work with Broadway and Beyond, um, Access for Stage Management Managers of Color. So obviously, this is a discussion that has been needing to happen for a very long time in our industry. Um, and we just recently spoke with Shelley Williams, and she kind of alluded to the fact that it's the first time it feels like ears are actually open to yes. what BIPOC community has been saying forever, essentially. Um, and it kind of ties in also to what Rachel Chafkin said in her mm-hmm. Tony Award acceptance speech for the show that you are currently on, Hades Town, for, for our listeners. Uh, and this kind of relates to women and um, the BIPOC community. But she says, there are so many women who are ready to go. There are so many artists of color who are ready to go. And we need to see that racial diversity and gender diversity reflected in our critical establishment too. This is not a pipeline issue. It's a failure of imagination by a field whose job is to imagine the way the world could be. So like I said, obviously women was at the forefront of that, but this uh, applies to everything. Um, And you are working really hard to create access for people who might not have had access in the past, um, creating opportunity, connection, experience for stage managers of color to move forward in this industry. So can you talk a little bit more about what you're doing? And then also for our listeners, A, if they want to take advantage, if they are a person of color pursuing this um, career, or if they are someone who wants to support the organization. Mm-hmm. Sure. So um, Broadway and Beyond, Access for Stage Managers of Color, we started back in October with um, myself, 
Lisa Dawn Cave and Jimmy Lee Smith. We are three um, Black stage managers who have been on, on the boards for quite some time. And we have decent resumes, I would say. Fantastic. 30 years. years. Yeah. <laughs> we have decent resumes, you know. Um, but we, it, it's not just us. You know, it's not just us. It's not just not. It's not just, you know, it's not just a handful of people. And we often get phone calls or ask, you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for, I'm looking for. And so um, we put an organization together so that people can't say that I didn't know, I don't know anybody because that's, that's the shame of it all. It's like, you don't know anybody, but you didn't know that white kid before you hired him, but you found him. So tell me again why you don't know anybody because you didn't look for anybody. You looked where you were comfortable. You didn't go out to the National Black Theater and see what show they were doing and enjoy how that show was and look and see. You didn't go to Morgan State. You didn't go to Delaware. You didn't go. You didn't do any outreach to any other university except for the five that the people in your office went to. So that's that's the issue. So what we are doing, we're not focusing on training because there's a lot of organizations, a lot of groups that have popped up during this time that are, we're going to train people how to be tech technicians. We're going to train people how to be stage managers. We're going to train people how to be in management. What about the folks who are already trained? And that group is the group that we're focusing on. The folks who are already trained, but they, but but they didn't have that door open as I had that door, or as Jimmy Lee had that door, or as Lisa Dawn has had that door. They don't. They don't. They keep trying to get to that door, but something keeps blocking them. So we're going to open that door for them. And it's. I'm going to say it has been phenomenal. Uh, back in December, we had our first networking, um, virtual of course, our first <coughs> networking. Um, event, and we had uh, 75 stage managers of color, you know, um, at all different levels, some who were just recent graduates from um, college or university, some who have been on Broadway before, but would like to be on Broadway again. So, you know, some who, there were even a few, I looked at these resumes, they've never been on Broadway. I'm like, where the heck has this person been? I would hire this person in a second, but they just didn't know or didn't know anybody. And so um, we introduced them to over, and we had over 30 people who hire from general management, from, from um, regional, from um, touring companies, you know, prominent production stage managers who hire. And they, we did a quick round robin with them. And then we often we gave the stage managers who were involved, they got contact information for these people. So now they're reaching out and it's all. And so now they're making connections and they're having talks and having virtual coffee and all this stuff with people that they may not have ever met. And the feedback we're getting is really positive because we're hearing from both sides, which is great. We have another event that we get, we're going to announce probably in the next two weeks. That's going to happen in March. We were taking it up a step, you know, get everybody a little bit more time together. Um, 
start training them. Let's let's focus on these uh, resumes. Let's get our interview skills together. You know, but it's but it's mainly with focusing on people who have the goods, but they just don't know where to show them. And we're focusing on people who can hire, but just haven't connected with the people they should be hiring. Right. So I mean, that's that's incredible, and I'm so. I keep thinking about the fact of that, the gift of this moment in time, right? Because if we weren't in this moment, this would not be happening. Exactly. Exactly. And not because you don't want to help people and not because that's not needed, but because there just isn't the time and space and bandwidth within being, you know, fabulous stage managers and raising seven children and doing all these things. Like there's just not the space. And it's also there. Yeah. There wasn't the attention given to these issues, right? We've known that they're there. We know, like, I mean, I know I've done, the last two shows I've done are predominantly black cast and the lack of color within management, Mm -hmm. whether it's behind the table directors and, and creative teams or in the theater and in the space, even take the IATSE crew too. You know, it's like the, the lack of color and diversity that are surrounding these companies is astonishing. And I Mm -hmm. think that, I think that it's very easy for those of us who are white to have been in this space and not considered it before, because, and especially if you're doing a show that might not be very colorful, you know, it's like, Oh, you're just doing, you know, music man or whatever, you know, and it's like mostly white people and you don't really pay attention to it, but to be a person, you know, I was one of two white women in Tina, that's it, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm, and then in Donna summer, there were only a handful of us as well. And I've been surrounded by these extraordinary women of color. And those are the moments when you start to realize like, wait a minute, there is a white man telling the story of a black, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. this doesn't, yeah. this doesn't track or just having a white man be the production stage manager of a show that, <laughs> It is all right. black yeah. women, basically, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, there's something wrong with that. And there's yeah. no, and then, and then it's also, it's an afterthought sometimes, you know, right. it, it has been an afterthought. I'm not going to say it's always an afterthought, but it has been an afterthought that once, you know, in stage management, you get into the room and there's white male, white male, you know, white female, uh, let's hire a black PA. Well, guess what? Thank you. But the PA is going to be out of here opening. Right. And so now I'm left with white male, white male, white female. Right. right. You know, it's like, don't think about it as a last minute, no. you know, to make, no. because as, as, uh, as Kara said before, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's for you. It's not for me. It's to make you feel good. So you can say, see, we hired somebody. Right. You know? Well, and like, I think there's something to be said for if the person in charge, you know, there are so, there's so, um, systemic racism is so ingrained in who we are and in our culture. I mean, and so when you have a white male as the leader in this space and black women are supposed to be able to trust, you know, or black men even, but people, right, yeah. color, I mean, that that's when the stage manager is your person. Like that is who you should be able to go to, to be honest with them, to look for them, to keep you safe, to keep, and to be on your side, you know, with anything that arises. And I can't help but think that when you are a person of color and the person you have to address issues with is particularly a white man and you're a black female, I just feel like they're, 
I can't imagine that there wouldn't be trauma or like some sort of underlying. Um, well, it's just they just don't understand. Right. Sometimes yeah, you just they don't can't understand connect. what I'm, I mean, sometimes it's basic stuff. You don't understand what I'm talking about. Right. You know, I mean, what I always love to talk about is, and I, I have a card. When I was on Bronx Tale, they would make me cards for all the things that I did because I became the black voice of reason for everything a lot, you know? But it really was, it, a lot of it had to do with the hair. It's like. That's what I was just about we, to. You know, it's like, had, really? Oh, 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 are we still here? Yeah, Offra talked understand? about that on an episode about yeah. hair. And, you know? And I've shared a gesture with Vasti Mom Point. She was like, literally, she's like, no hair department knows how to handle black hair under a wig. And it's shocking. It's shocking that no one has thought that a priority to figure out. Right. It's like, come on, people. Come yeah. on, think about it. You know, on, and you know, I have no shame and, and I and I'm not speaking poorly about my Bronx Tale family at all. I actually applaud them in this way that there came a time when they realized we don't have anybody on staff who understands what is going on with black women's hair. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I don't get paid for this, but I became whenever we hired somebody. I had to have the hair conversation. I'm like, look, Diva, this is what's going to happen. We're going to make you a wig. So all them tracks you got in your hair, you make, you need to make your decision now. Are you going to keep them in or you want to take them out? Because wh- however you have your hair, when you get that, what you call that wig mold and they make that wig, that's the way it needs to stay. Because we can't make you another wig when you decide to take the tracks out or put them in. But they didn't know how to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I had that conversation Probably just like I had it <laughs> with you all. <laughs> that was verbatim. It's <laughs> true, verbatim. It's true. Just have the conversation. Then people go, right, right. word, let me think about it. You know what I mean? Right. But you have to, You. it's a conversation that has to be had, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then when the wig comes out looking like booty, somebody <laughs> needs to say, this wig looks like booty. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, yes. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me just say this. I don't care what decade what century you are in, Black women, we have always taken pride in our hair. And to make us come out looking like we're crazy just because you don't understand our hair, so you got to make us look crazy? No. Mm-mm. No. Unac- no. It's unacceptable. It is Absolutely. unacceptable. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I... It's unacceptable, especially in an art form that is trying to represent humanity, the human experience. Like, tr- like this is something that came up in our last episode. Like, it is our mandate to our art to do it justice in this way, to mm-hmm. be diverse, to be equitable. Because then, if we're not, we're not doing the art. We're not. Right. We're not, we're not being telling true the to the stories. Art. We're not, not being telling truthful. the stories. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, you talking about Broadway and beyond and us and this moment that we're in, it feels like there is this incredible amount of work that's going on. And I am really excited for when theater is back to see it all put into action, to see how these doors open up and how we are reimagining ourselves as we move forward. I just think that, like you said, there's, we're in this moment and there is time and space for these things that people are giving attention to for the first time. Um, and I think it's going to hopefully propel us through this kind of rebirth when we come back. 
I think it's twofold what's what how we're gonna come back. I think and what's happening now. I think what's happening now is that obviously the death of George Floyd, Brianna, all of them, it just put it right in people's face at a time where, as you all know, everyone was sitting home, everyone was watching TV. We have the technology to capture things live and stream it and go, wait a minute, that was uncalled for, unnecessary, not needed, you know, murder. Mm-hmm. That's yes. what it was. That's what mm-hmm. it has been. And so we were able to capture it. And so we got to a point where it was like, we're not doing this anymore. We, we, we as a, a business where we're supposed to care about people, we can't go back to how it was March 12th, 2020. We right. can't. So I, I see, especially working with um, Broadway and beyond, I see people who are in hiring positions who want this change, but because of where we were before, you know, mother nature made us stop because we were just running and she said, stop, mm-hmm. everybody stop. Absolutely. Everybody look. And so because we, we're in this pause, this two year pause, <laughs> you know, huh. shut my mouth. <laughs> but in this pause, we have time to actually reach out to actually probably build that team that we really see ourselves having instead of just jumping from one job and just, I just need to fill this spot. So I'm going to fill with the same type of person. I'm just going to go back to the same pool of people because I know if I go to this school, they have great, you know, people and yeah, I'll take him, you know, I'll take her and that's it, you know, but now we have time technology to introduce ourselves and know people so when we go back to work, I'm not going to say it's the first thing we do because the first thing we got to do is to get the people who were working on March 12th back to work. But then anything else that happens after that, that's what I'm used to. That's what I'm excited to see because there's no excuse for the set designer not to have someone on that team. Yeah. Right. Somebody. No excuse. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Lighting designers. Come on casting come on Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean I should not be the only me in the room again every once in a while you get an AD you know an assistant director but come on it should not just be me yep so I'm 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 I am excited because I actually believe that people in our industry want the change and they want to do better I agree. And I think that those who maybe don't will be outnumbered. You know, I think that there are, there are definitely going to be people who are grasping and clinging onto just like in this country, you know, there are people clinging on to these old ways and ideas. And, and I think that those who aren't coming forward with us, they will be left behind because and like you said, us, it's not just Brown people like me. It's, you know, Everybody, I think everybody is going to hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, really? Are we doing this again? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. It's exciting. Oh, it's an exciting. It'll be exciting. It will it be. Really will. <laughs> <laughs> <Honestly. laughs> Just to get back. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, that's the thing. A real check? <laughs> oh, my God. Be Just exciting. to be in the space, you know, it's like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, we want to make all these changes and we, and there need to be these changes, but you know what we have to do first? 
We have to actually have a place to be to right. make the change. Make the change. Exactly. <laughs> we have to be there. Oh my God. Beverly, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I this is I, awesome. This We're is done. Crazy pants. Nailed it. Girl, and we've been chatting for like 45, 50 minutes. Been, we could talk all day. I mean, truthfully, we, we we try so hard to keep our our episodes like to a minimum because the majority of the people that listen to them are parents, and they don't got a lot of time. Like no one has yeah, a lot of time, true. so we want to make yeah, it. You I know, know, all about that. Yeah. So, but we yeah. we always get so excited when we're talking to our guests, and we just want to keep going and keep going. Yeah. So, and thank you so much. This was well, thank you all incredible. for inviting me. Thank you. Yeah, we're just thank in you. awe and inspired by like particularly the working moms like yourself who just I have mean, made it happen. Mamas make it happen, right? We it's didn't like, even talk about the fact that uh, you're an adjunct professor at uh, NYU, Shenandoah. You're also uh, work for Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. Yes. Parent, mother of seven. Yes. I mean, Broadway and beyond. You guys, yes. <laughs> you yes. think you're busy. You're not busy <laughs> if you're not Beverly Jenkins. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And like she said, she does the best call boards. Y'all, I'm not even kidding. She got to Donna Summer and all of a sudden there were lights around the call board. It was peppy. You walk through that stage door to sign in and you're happy to be at work. How can you not be when you're greeted that I'm, way? I'm trying to figure out how, how to pipe a little music in, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh, Beverly, be well. I can't wait to right, thank you we're you too. You seeing too. each other in Midtown. So take <laughs> yes, care. Yes. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. Special shout outs to Rachel Spencer Hewitt for our fabulous graphic. Kristen Anderson Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Ward Weber for our awesome theme song. Our producers, Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.